Hello. And everyone, welcome to our new podcast. It's all filming games. Everyone cheer for our new podcast name. Woo! Yay! It's all filming games until Sam comes and reveals his top five. (laughs) Yeah, ruins the intro and the episode. (laughs) We'll work. Well, yeah, I mean, as you can tell, the, the energy is through the roof with us four. That was the most raucous celebration I've ever heard for any new rebrand. Um, very, very excited to have changed the name, um, less excited to have changed the Minions and Richard Linklater cover photo, but we kind of wanted to share this podcast with our, more of our friends and we didn't want to be judged as much. So that is where we're at with the new podcast. It is called, it's all film and games. Um, our Twitter at is film and at all film and games and that is also our blog which is allfilmandgames.com it looks great which is different than what we announced last week because we said it was all films and games <laughs> i which, uh, well that's not not quite the same name <laughs> funny story i was i was getting my friend to do the rebrand and i was like okay it's all films and games and he went all films and games cool he sent me it and then i was reading it in my head and i was like this looks off and then I was like, wait, it's not all funs and games, which is the play on words we're doing. It's all fun and games. Singular <laughs> and then plural. I don't think there is a plural for fun, though. Is there? Dane, is there? No. No, there's not. Funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's what I'm that's gonna say. Not a, uh, so we had, not a plural yeah. either. That was we had so much discussion. Samir, on, that was one of the least educated comments I've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> we had so much discussion on whether uh, certain words need to be plural, plural or not. Yeah. So this, yeah, I mean, um, fun as a noun is even like an iffy thing, you know. So yeah, um, like I really like would, it can I only be sp- a singular noun because it's not. I have spent thirty six dollars on it's, re- it's not a physical item. I've spent $36 on rechanging the blog title twice. <laughs> so we were we are having no more discussion about the name of this podcast. The noun is sticks. what it is. The name is All Filming Games. We are going in to 2021 with a sexy new orange rebrand. We look like the Home Depot of movie podcasts and we're going in with a vengeance. You know, expect a YouTube channel starting soon. Uh Hopefully this first episode is on our, our, the first episode to start off the YouTube channel. I will cut this if that does not happen so they won't know of our failings. <laughs> and then expect, expect a TikTok channel as well because if there's one thing that people like, it is um, Dane doing TikTok dances to the prestige soundtrack in the background. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, be expecting my uh, top 10 rankings of the most powerful Jedi and the best Marvel heroes because uh, that's what I know best. It really is. Are these, are not, are these, are those popular forms of TikTok? All the examples you guys have? <laughs> Corey with the absolute like the boomer comment. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, yeah, I really, are these I, popular TikToks you, you kids are doing? <laughs> Get I mean, off my there's lawn. no lie there. Though. Get off my lawn. TikTok good, really is the one area where I'm really like Clint Eastwood and Grant Reno. I really have yeah. no idea what's going on, and I barely have. The That's where the revolution is happening. Yeah, as a TikTok is the new wave. As a podcaster, I gotta get with the times. 
Yeah, no yeah. one wants to hear us talk for longer than 15 seconds. I I at least don't. So that's why we are launching the TikTok. Expect like movie rankings, movie recommendations. Because I, dude, I saw this one film TikTok that was like, if you like this yeah. movie, <laughs> check out these underrated gems. And it was like Inception in Interstellar. Uh, and I was like, do, do you like, want a Holy space shit. movie okay, that will we, blow yeah. your mind? Interstellar. <laughs> yeah. See, I was like, those. I was like, okay, we can at least do something slightly better than this. Like, yeah, the bar and has I, been set pretty fucking low. I I also find that a lot of these TikTok channels lean really heavy into that film boy aesthetic, which hopefully we have kind of strayed away from. But the kind of like beanie with like the like Tame Impala music playing, and it's like <laughs> movies that show that you're living in a complete true vibe and it's like you said like it's inception and fight club and whatever but um thank god I hopefully our off. channel could be i was i was gonna more say disruptive. you basically <laughs> described uh me on a on a good day <laughs> yeah maybe it was a self roast before we started too, recording i was wearing a beanie and then i and then i took it off but had i been yeah. wearing it i would have been eviscerated right there wow. me. were you listening to tame impala <laughs> Uh, probably have in the last week or so. Yeah, I guess I really do fit every stereotype. <laughs> well, well, I think you can't beat them. Join them. Barometer tonight is a great barometer for if we have grown from being true film bros to just um mediocre film guys, which is you know really what the hope of this podcast was from its inception that we could be a little more <laughs> introspective and speaking of inception, uh, interesting and inter. <laughs> And Inception um, to our favorite movies of 2020. So this is an end of the year, start of the new year episode. It was our first overall episode back in the good old days when Samir was not on the podcast. Uh, I remember this episode. <laughs> Fond memories. <laughs> and Fond. if you can remember, uh, back then we used to get along. I was good friends with Corey at the time. There had been no great schism yet. Dane and I were still best friends. We still are, <laughs> so nothing's really changed there. But, like, there is an obvious um, energy to tonight's episode. <laughs> you can already tell. Um, everyone has been death staring Corey's quadrant of the Discord. Because there are some divisive movies that came out this year. And we are going to discuss them. So the way this will work is we are going to first give three or four or two or one honorable mentions about movies that just made, just made, didn't make the cut. Uh, we'll briefly talk about those. And then we're going to go in a roundtable discussion going from our number five down to our number one and revealing what our favorite movies of 2020 were. And at the end, we're going to discuss what we thought of 2020 the general themes of the movies that came out this year, or at least the good ones that came out this year, and um, what are just general ideas about where the industry is moving. We'll talk about it, but 2020 was a, a year that was, you know, different for only a couple of reasons. It was a pretty normal year outside of only like a small little minor things, only like your occasional coup and your occasional cough. Um <laughs> But the the industry itself changed a lot this year, and and we'll talk about that at the end. But we're going to start it off with our honorable mentions for the year of 2020. And I'm going to put it over to 
Dane to talk about a couple movies he loved but didn't make the cut. Uh, yeah, so I think one that I don't know where it's going to sit on your on your ranking list, but I recently watched this and that's Palm Springs, the Hulu original. I was I was pretty entertained by this the the entire way through. I thought all the performances were were really well done. It was it was was funny. It was uh visually very impressive, I thought, especially for being a comedy movie and taking the groundhog day reliving the same day over and over trope uh in in a different direction. Yeah, I'll throw out a uh uh, two movies really quickly. One that I'm really upset I had to move out of my top five is First Cal. Uh, that's one that I, you know, if you want to hear more of my thoughts about it, you can listen to our very first episode. I, I talked about it there. It's still a great movie. I, I have it just outside my top five, uh, but there's just a few that I enjoyed a little bit more this year, especially there are even some movies that I think I had ranked behind it at the time that I've moved up a little bit just because I've, I've, I feel so strongly about them. And the other one that I've really been trying to sing the praises of this year that uh, I really feel like was criminally underseen was Emma, uh, starring Anya Taylor-Joy. Obviously, Anya Taylor-Joy had a huge 2020. The Queen's Gambit is arguably the biggest thing on TV this year, maybe the biggest thing in general to come out this year. It was just such a pop culture phenomenon. Uh, and, and she obviously was a huge part of that. Uh, but I didn't even think that was her best performance this year. I thought her best performance this year was in this movie Emma, uh, which kind of participated in that sort of fun, like, uh, you know, take a look at, the, at history, but refashion it with something a little new, a little quirkier a little like sassier almost um and, and it was just a really colorful really fun really funny movie that uh I, I didn't think got enough got enough love you know i think this year there was there were a lot of uh strong movies that i would put in my top five but didn't necessarily make the cut um the three that i want to talk about are first i don't think anybody has seen the 40 year old version have you guys seen that no movie? i have not Kelly i was going to but i didn't oh reference to the 40 year old Uh, virgin my my brain went to the same place honestly it 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 is a play on the movie the 40 year old virgin um it is starring radha blank i think is the way you pronounce her name and it's just it's really funny and it's it's just a really entertaining movie um blends theater and film in a really cool way so i i really recommend it because i think that is a criminally underseen movie of this year um the second movie, movie I realize we will we will talk about with your pick, Sam, so I'm not going to say it now, but I will mention my third movie, which is Run, that came out during Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not sure. Have you, has it, have any of you guys seen Run? No, I have, I've Sarah, heard good things about Sarah it, Paulson, I actually haven't. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, it was, I mean, it's a, I would describe it as another, like, entertaining watch in the same vein as Palm Springs. I think this movie is, like, a lot better than Palm Springs in the sense that, like, it is a really well-crafted thriller. Um, like it's been compared to a lot of like, or that director has been compared to like, oh, he's the new Hitchcock or M Night or whatever. Um, I I think that comparison is obviously pretty precarious at the moment. But I was gonna I, say I, I didn't think, know the director of a new Hulu movie was the next Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> I was like, what did I well, miss? Or well, the see, new like, M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, well, they're just saying that those two are in the same vein as each other. The director is well, like, uh, is South Asian, right? Is that why they're saying that about M Night? Because yeah, kinda, yeah, that's why they're saying that about M Night. But be kind of lazy, that, right? Like the Hitchcock comparisons are coming from <laughs> the director himself because he loves Hitchcock and he's like, oh, okay, uh, I'm there, you know, you know. So, but it, if, it's, I guess it's kind of caught on because I've heard like other outlets describe him as like Hitchcockian. Um, but he also made Searching, 
in 2018, which great that, film. that's a great, movie. A great film. Yeah, yeah I really, so I really like that movie. Cool. That movie and this movie, like, I, if you like that movie, I would really suggest watching this movie too because I honestly think this movie at certain points does a better job with like really milking tension out of scenes. Um, so I think he's so far delivered two um, really solid, well crafted, tight thrillers. And Run is a movie that I think you can just put on and like really anyone will like. So those are my two. Cool. Movies. Thank you, Samir. Uh, and then finally, last but not least, and most importantly, and number one is me. And <laughs> I will say the two movies that were very close but not making it. Uh, one is definitely going to be talked about later, so I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, the other is uh, Dick Johnson is Dead. Uh, it was my favorite documentary of the year. I think it is an absolute great documentary, but it just, doc, the documentary form doesn't inspire me the same way um, like a narrative structure does. But definitely, definitely look at that one. And also Borat 2 was my favorite comedy of the year. Uh, that was in my top 10, but did not make the cut. Um, so that takes us to our top fives. These are our five favorite movies of 2020 or movies that were widely released in 2020 that got their streaming release at that time. And I am going to start by giving it to Dane, who is going to give us his fifth favorite movie of 2020. So funny enough that we were all talking about not saying things in our top five. My number five movie is actually Borat 2. I released movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. But now I was instructed to return to Yankee land to carry out secret mission. I go to America! And I'm giving it to oh. Borat too because uh, for a number of reasons. While watching this movie, it just put 2020 in perspective so much and it was a, such a surreal watch uh, of a film and it really was like my best movie watching experience during 2020 because I had a few friends over to our place and we sat down and watched it and had uh, a ball watching uh, Sasha Baron Cohen kill this movie but I just as this movie progresses and you see the movie just it acts as like an inside joke the plot progresses and you know exactly where it's going to a certain point and the stuff at the RNC is just outrageous and hilarious uh i would i'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it because it it really is a movie that while watching i was kind of just jaw dropped as you were essentially watching a documentary of 2020 unfold uh so sam you said it was one that you didn't put in your top 5 but certainly appreciated the movie so what did you think about borat i think we can all agree borat one is without a doubt one of the funniest movies ever made um it is unbelievable in every sense i don't think borat 2 is as funny as borat one is but i think it is certainly smarter than borat one is um and if the sacrifice in it being less funny it makes it a little less worth it for you i i understand that um at times i was a little um put off by that but there are just like there are just too many iconic moments in this movie to like not love and i think 
the final joke of him spreading COVID is the hardest I've probably laughed throughout the pandemic. Like I watched this movie with Corey and I was just absolutely cracking up at that. Yeah, I was gonna say that, that was the was best so... plot twist of the year. Like in any film, that was yeah, definitely that, the best honestly. Plot twist. Uh, that and that's another yeah, thing I, just with this movie that I found engaging even after watching is the amount of media attention it got for uh, obviously the big Rudy Giuliani moment. Rudy Giuliani. But yeah. it, can I just say real quick that that you right that moment was talked about a lot, but that man has continued to outdo that moment throughout the year up until yesterday. <laughs> Where he might have embarrassed himself ten times more than that, so that's all I'll say. Yeah, about that, he's like a walking I mean, whoopee cushion. It, it is. <laughs> yeah, no, he he obviously shoots himself in the foot every single day. Um, this is not the only embarrassing moment to happen to Rudy Giuliani. It, it's it like not just... even top five of this year for him, which is. So I don't funny. know, dude. It's 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 pretty fucking embarrassing, but it's also it surreal with Borat walking in in a fucking dress like being like what the fuck is happening right here and it's just like so absurd one of those moments that feels too good to be true and just gave me like so much joy i was just like i'm so fortunate to have seen a movie where this happens well and it's, it's um, a testament so that moment i, I think really... is a testament to maria bakalova who who plays borat's daughter in the film yeah mm-hmm. um like she's great Borat, you know this movie had for for logistical reasons and uh, like emotional reasons. This movie probably needed, you know, a presence like her, like some a new major character to kind of shake things up and, and just make some of these these bits possible because Borat couldn't get away with the same things. Um, and she really delivered. Like that moment doesn't happen with Rudy Giuliani if she's not convincing enough in in that in that capacity. So like we give Sacha Baron Cohen all this credit as this like crazy performance artist, and he absolutely is. But he found this 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 uh, young actress who's like clearly very capable of doing something very similar, which I, I think is uh, uh, not only helps the film, but is also just like really impressive. It makes me really wonder where she's going next in her career. Yeah, I think I mean I think three of us are all in agreement that this was very funny. Uh, Samir, would you like to say why you are not a huge fan of Borat too? For me, Borat too, like. I could talk a lot more about this, but right now what, what I'll say is that, I, yeah, I, I found the movie to be funny, um, but with Borat 1, it, it, it seemed like, like a lot less forced. And, in the, and when I say that, and I think that's not his fault, it's just Trump has killed satire. So satire in the age of Trump is kind of hard because anything the guy ever does or says is much funnier than any mockery of him. So whenever you want to make and it's it's really important for comedy, obviously, to be aimed at like a force of destruction, and evil like that. Um, but it, it's also kind of hard because it's like like for the exact reason I said, um, you don't want it to come off as like SNL, like orange man, bad. Am I right? But you also want to make insight, like incisive cutting jokes. And I think that's where like with the movie ending with like the go vote message, which I think is important. Um, it kind of like veers away from that like typical Borat that I'm like a diehard fan of. So I think this movie was really important. I'm really glad that he went the direction he did, especially because he wanted to release it before the election. Um, but as a diehard SBC fan, having seen all his work, including Dali G show, a part of me was a bit disappointed, um, you know, that it wasn't like the classic SBC antics, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, 
I just want to respond real uh, quick because because I do agree with a lot of what you're saying, Samir. I think I think uh, Borat Two is definitely much more scripted than the first film. Yeah, yeah, like and that's pretty obvious in a lot of different moments. I don't think it's fair to evaluate the quality of the film in comparison to the, the first because I think the first is arguably the seminal comedy of the 2000s. Like it's it's it will go down as like an all time important comedy. Um, and like the first film, I think this one operates more like a time capsule than anything else. Yep. Uh, whereas, it's but whereas the first film does kind of stand on its own a little bit. I agree. Maybe this one doesn't necessarily stand on its own outside of it's like speaking to the moment. Twenty twenty is yeah, yeah. Which you know could could be a dig at the film, and I, and I don't entirely disagree with with, with your point there. Uh, but I also think that something like Borat, if there was ever a, a, a franchise or a series or um, even like a like a, a performer in Sacha Baron Cohen who I thought could get away with making like a, just a very narrow speak to the moment kind of time capsule uh, that is just sort of like a, like a, a goofball comedy that's like incredibly offensive but uh, has like has some funny resonances with today I'd be like yeah Sacha Baron Cohen and Borat like that's that's the way to do it uh, last thing I'll say about it is like where a lot of my love for the movie uh, comes in at is that it's just it, it was such a unique watch for that reason. I I very much felt like that got the time capsule vibe, and it you were just watching real life unfold, and it it, it really was just a, a unique watch, something that I I never really had experienced before, uh, in terms of a in terms of movie going. So we are on to our four. Our fifth movie. I I was already gonna go to our fourth. That's how excited I am to get through a list. Uh, we are still on our fifth movies. I forgot which order we were going with the just made the cut. It is Corey next, if I'm not mistaken. Corey, what was your fifth favorite movie of 2020? All right. So we started the episode talking about how you know we're such film bros, or or at least trying not to be film bros. Uh, but I suppose I am the film bro of the group. I didn't. I didn't know that was the case. Uh, but I really still love Christopher Nolan's Tenet. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? And I have. <laughs> and I have that movie at number five. I, I think Tenet is a really, really fucking good movie. Um, and I think a lot of the criticisms of Tenet really sort of miss what Christopher Nolan is trying to do, uh, which is not a sentence I ever would have wanted to say out loud because it sounds <laughs> very much like a film bro. Holy like, shit, Corey. You just don't you just don't understand. But no, it, it really is true. Like I think he's actually trying to do something really unique and and special here, uh, and and I really admire it. The thing to understand about Christopher Nolan is that a lot of people think he's just kind of like this like uh, provocateur who just wants to blow your mind all the fucking time and pull and pull all these crazy stunts. Christopher Nolan has two interests. We know one of them is time. All of his movies in some way relate to time. And a lot of people, you know, much has been said about that. But he has another interest, and that's stories. Like, he loves stories. And not just because he tells them, but his movies are always about stories. And that's what, that's what I love so much about Tenet. You know, there, a lot of, one of the big complaints about the movie is that there's a lot of dialogue and very explaining uh and it it you know it doesn't really um 
So a lot of people feel like it doesn't have a lot of room to breathe because the dialogue's always explaining concepts to you. Um, and I'm excited to talk about that's my criticism of soul too, right? So you might be like, how could I, how could I feel that way about soul but not about tenet? Well, tenet says early on it tells you, you know, this or, or it says just feel it. Like that's, the character says that earlier on in the movie, just feel it, and that's really crucial because the idea of this movie is is not to un unravel it the way maybe other Christian Nolan movies are, but to just ride it. Uh, and and if and if you do so, there's a lot to learn in this movie about storytelling and uh, about Christopher Nolan as a director, uh, and kind of about like the state of filmmaking in Hollywood today. Like I really think there's a lot of layers to this movie that people aren't giving it credit for, um, and I'll get into some of those in a little bit. But that's just the spiel I wanted to start at the outset because this is a really smart movie, and uh, I think a lot of people aren't giving it the the credit that it deserves, or at least they're they're misplacing where that where that where that that intelligence comes from. I feel like I didn't get the full embodiment of what it was trying to do. I think that's partially because of the the audio in the movie. I had a very difficult time hearing uh, some of the dialogue in this movie. And I, I do feel it is intentional by Christopher Nolan uh, because of how, I mean, you look at Dunkirk and that movie is the loudest movie I've ever heard in a, in a theater and I did get to see Tenet in a theater and while I was watching there were there were moments of exposition where characters were trying to explain something and I, I couldn't hear it but then I was like eventually I just got to a point where I, I kind of gave up and just like the character says I, I just went with it uh but I do think that's kind of where my slight lack of loving the movie came from upon first viewing i do intend on going back and rewatching it to uh pick up some of the things i missed but like walking out of the theater i was just asking myself all these questions and feeling like i missed a lot of what was trying to be said uh with the dialogue and o overall was very confused walking out of it uh i loved what i was seeing i thought the visuals were were just insane um, and what he does with time is awesome, but I, I, I was constantly just like, am I understanding this right? Or am I just, com is it going completely over my head? So I, I do think my appreciation for the movie will grow as I rewatch it and pick up on some, some things that I missed. Um, but ultimately that's why it didn't end up in my top five. This movie, Dane touched on it the worst sound design I've ever seen in a movie. It was so loud at some point that I thought the neighbors were going to fucking file a noise complaint at my house because it was shaking our house. And the other times, like, that scene with the old man at the dinner, like, at the lunch, I mean, you literally cannot hear a single word he says unless you have the subtitles on. Or the scene when they're on the hover boat. You can't hear a fucking thing they say without subtitles. Like, that alone makes it really hard to love because it is almost impossible to understand what they're saying, which makes it more frustrating because you're not even really paying attention to what they're saying. You're just trying to get the information into your head. So, like, I bet this movie is better on rewatches because you'll understand what they're saying better. But that alone is a really, really big problem with the movie that is very hard to get over. And I was very surprised by it. It just felt unfinished it felt like they hadn't mastered the audio 
The other thing that that Corey has not touched on about this movie is that Christopher Nolan sucks ass at writing dialogue. He is a horrible dialogue writer. This movie has some of the cheesiest one-liners I have heard in a very long time. And, you know, maybe it's the point is he's the protagonist. Maybe he's not super fleshed out. Whatever. It didn't work for me. And I just think that there's, like, times throughout, like, this bad guy could have been really cool. It's a really cool concept. Like, he's about to die, so he's going to take the entire world out with him. That writes itself. Except Nolan found a way to not write itself. And the bad guy just is so stereotypical with all the, like, there is a lot to like from this movie. And I'm going to keep it real. I actually do like this movie the more I think about it. But I do not think this is even remotely close to my top five of the year, unfortunately. Because it there is moments of pure brilliance in it. I actually agree. And I don't think that about Nolan movies often. But it is fucking messy. It's just a messy movie throughout. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I'll acknowledge one bias which is that this is the only movie that i saw in theaters that, well you know the only movie i've seen i saw in theaters during the the pandemic which every time i think about is is fucking absurd that i actually went super and did that. spreader but <laughs> um but <laughs> it was an amazing experience like it was really obvious you could imagine that really satisfying uh craving at the time and it, and it definitely colors my enjoyment of the film a little bit and maybe that's also why i had absolutely no issues hearing it like i just i don't i didn't really have this problem that a lot of other people had uh but i also again i i i did approach it with the advice that it gives you on the at the outset um which is to maybe like not tackle and digest every single piece of dialogue every single piece of information uh you know and that's you know i'm not i'm not acting like that is like um the only way to watch it or a superior way to watch it um, but I do think that is, again, why it's a clever movie is because it's really hard for us to break our habit of trying to figure out movies. That's like that's our goal with every movie that we watch, and, and it makes perfect sense. It's our goal with watching most of Nolan's movies, and Nolan would, would want that to be your goal. But with Tenet, he's, he's, he's asking you if you can put that sort of, um, that sort of intention aside uh, you know, and, and just try to like really su- submit yourself to what this movie is trying to do. There's like a really experience here and, and there is you, you kind of touched on it the the protagonist of this movie is is named the protagonist um which right there tells you what nolan's trying to do he, he's he's trying to 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 talk about storytelling and, he, and, he, and he's trying to talk about uh, sort of what he has done as a director and what that the implications of that are um what he maybe uh thinks he needs to do moving forward what he regrets having done in the past that's why a lot of this movie centers on uh, not a corporation like pretty much all his movies have focused on like some sort of like covert corporation like an interstellar or not interstellar that was not a corporation but inception inception. Uh, inception is all about like this like benevolent ceo is like willing to you know we, we've all seen the movie but you know you look at a movie like tenet it's about this underground organization that is essentially fighting global warming or like you know like or like the destruction of our planet um and that is not a topic that Nolan would have ever dealt with in the past. As for what you said about the dialogue, I actually really love Nolan's ability to turn really complex sci-fi language into really witty banter back and forth between characters. Yeah, you might not catch every single piece of an explanation, but I think you're always kind of riding it. You know, like you're always having fun bouncing back and forth, ping pong back and forth between these two characters. Um, I think any moments that you detected as like corny or, or um, cliche one-liners are exactly the explanation that you, you tried giving. This is this is fitting within the context of uh, a sort of 
um, story as a, as a story. And you know, you could even think about the fact that uh, Nolan has himself identified this as sort of his attempt at like a Bond film. Um, so you can imagine what he's tr- kind of trying to do with those kinds of one-liners, uh, with his admiration for James Bond and trying to make this kind of like a, a classic Bond thriller. Um, I could go on and on, but I really think this is a masterpiece, and it would probably fit in my top okay. three, four Nolans of all time. I'll cool. drink to that. So we have number four. We have already had a huge fight over one movie. We are off to a very bumpy start on the episode, <laughs> and Samir is now going to calm all our nerves with his fifth movie. You actually segued perfectly into it, Sam, because I think you know when I, when you say calming the nerves. Um, this movie might be one of the best of the year when it comes to that. That movie is Sound of Metal. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play um, You know, I think we all saw this movie. It was uh, featured in our uh, three-part or four-part series, Secret Santa series. And we talked about it a lot then, so um, we don't have to have a huge discussion about it. But I will say that this is a movie that I think the biggest strength of it, and I think we all can attest to this, especially Corey, because I think he feels the same way um, in the, in this department especially, is that this movie's perhaps greatest achievement is how long it just stays with you and sits with you after, weeks after, days after. Um, I'm still thinking about this movie, and especially that final moment. And I think... Movies that have such strong endings like this one did, they just have them like they just have this way of crawling under your skin and staying there and just becoming part of the way you view the world and the way you view cinema um, and any other movie you watch after it. Sound of Metal, solid film, really liked it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that made your, your top five, Smear. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say that too. I because you when we talked about it on the first episode, obviously Corey and I were rave rave reviews about it. Dane as well, and and you gave good reviews, but we didn't know. I didn't think personally that you were gonna have it in your top five. So I'm glad to have. I'm glad to hear that you had it, it there too. It really grew on me. That's the one thing I yeah. want to emphasize. The biggest thing I'm saying right now is that it really did grow on me, and I think it's that's its biggest strength. Thank you, Samir. And now it goes to my fifth favorite movie of 2020 and that is another round um another round is a movie that we haven't yet talked about but is just absolutely fantastic from start to finish um this is a dark uh norwegian is it swedish 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 is it yeah it's or it's danish i'm sorry it's danish i was making okay so oh you're right oh it's danish oh look at hey Hey. haven't heard that one before yeah (laughs) oh god so evidently we just brought up some traumas (laughs) with dane but um i mean i i just love movies that are about alcohol i think it's such an interesting concept to base a movie around this movie's also just like it's it's there's obviously sad beats throughout and I'm glad that they didn't make this movie just like alcohol is good yay alcohol but they this is a very joyous movie at the end of the day it's about people finding 
a reinvigoration love of life. And it's very nuanced throughout, amazing performances. And I was really just blown away. I thought that I thought this movie was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I'm a little bummed to hear it's only uh, at at five for you because um, I'll I'll offer some more of my thoughts later. But I, I'll just say that I will be mentioning this this title again. I think it, it was definitely one of my favorites of the year. I as well feel the exact same way as Corey. Um, it's definitely in my top five, and uh, I'll elaborate more on it. But I think the one thing I'll say for now is that just really like how fun it is and how much it made me want to go to a bar. Yeah. So yeah. badly. So bad. Yeah. Did it, Samir, didn't you say you just went to a bar afterwards? <laughs> I went yeah, to Sheets. Samir, you said... <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't go to no a bar. I went to Sheets. Yeah, I could have sworn yeah, you were well, telling me that story about you went to the bar and like you were like dancing no, no, no. people I, I said, wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I yeah, went to Sheets. Like, brought a girl home and, and got she kept coughing. <laughs> I'm checking messages right now to see what I said. No, you said you went to shoot. Keep talking. Because I'm pretty sure I went to Okay, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> that will take yeah, us. Yeah, I did say now. Oh, wow. Okay. Samir the Super Sleuth. Must so now forgot. we are to. The Kid yeah. Detective. <laughs> so now we are to our fourth favorite movies of um, 2020, which brings us back to the lovely Dane Holtz for his fourth favorite movie of 2020. All right, guys. So this movie, when we did our uh, initial episode on our 2020 movies, uh, it was in my top five, and that's The Five Bloods. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's this movie, I it, it certainly has still stuck with me since I've watched it. I think there there's so much great stuff in it, um, and the direction is just out of this world to me. And in the way that it very much reads as a documentary, but is is constructed in a, a pretty well made narrative. Um, we already talked about it, so I won't go too far into uh, kind of the my more extensive thoughts on the movie but that's my number four pick yeah if you would like to hear us we go we go very deep into this movie on the very first episode this was dane's number one it was my number four at the time i think it was in Corey's top five as well yeah. um so we talked about this movie a lot i would say um this movie certainly didn't stay with me as much as i was hoping um it just the middle really drags for me um samir uh just quick quick thoughts on this movie and uh we can we can go ahead from there well samir i'll let let you get the last word because you haven't uh ever gotten to speak on it but i I just want to interject really quick Mm -hmm. and say that this was the movie i was most intrigued to either hear or not hear tonight like when we were going into tonight's episode i was like i wonder if the five bloods will have the staying power for us to to make it into some of our top fives uh i i am really sad that uh, i didn't i'm not gonna like I, it's not in my top five i'll admit and uh i've come kind of like you sam where i realized that i wasn't remembering as much of the middle as i yeah. as i thought i would and uh, it didn't stick with me the way that i, I thought it would but i love this film at the time and i'm, I'm really glad it did make it onto at least one of our lists because i think it deserves Agreed. that kind of recognition it's definitely one of the most important movies of the year uh it came out at a at 
you know, the, at, at a, at a uh, crossroads of a lot of different things uh, in the country this year. Um, and I think it deserves to be remembered uh, when you think about 2020 movies, even if it isn't maybe one, one of the best in my mind, definitely one of the most important. Cool. Agreed. Yeah. All um, I'll say uh, briefly is that this movie did not stick with me, will not stick with me, but what will stick with me is Delroy Lindo's uh, performance. I really think that, you know, he mm -hmm. really deserves to be, uh, whenever the time comes, get the deserved recognition at uh, the Oscars. Because I really think that he carries this movie on its shoulders. Speaking of the movie as a whole, I think it's just a weaker Spike Lee joint. Um, I really enjoyed his previous one, Black Klansman. This one just didn't do it for me. Um, it, uh, mainly for the reasons you guys were saying, like the middle dragged a lot. Um, there were moments of brilliance. I just super quickly want to call out the one scene, the bomb scene where he's pulling him and he's trying to get his son off the bomb. Favorite of probably one of my favorite scenes of the year, to be honest, for a movie that didn't make my top five. Yeah, I think it one. might have had like one of my favorite scenes of the year. Um, but outside of that scene, I didn't really find this movie all that special. We are now to our fourth of Corey. Yes, yeah, so here uh, I'm going to mention a movie that is another one that I, I, I realize I, you know, it, it, it's always tough because when a lot of time goes on, you inevitably forget parts of a movie and maybe just don't get as excited about it the way you initially did. So this is a movie that I thought I would have a lot higher come year end. Still, number four is very good. That's Bad Education. Good morning. I wanted to make a difference. Look, we did. I got a score away to number four. So, Bad Education is my, is my fourth movie of, of the year. This is a movie that I thought was absolutely flawless when we brought it up uh, on our very first episode. I still think it's a great, great film. As you, as you can see, it's, I consider it one of the best of the year. Hugh Jackman's performance, to me, is a in a year that... I mean, guys, like it has been an amazing year for acting. Like I, you know, Every year has its, has its yeah, prop. Great lead of, actors. Yeah, I really think that like you know, that's kind of a reoccurring theme amongst a lot of the movies we're bringing up is that there is a lead actor in the, in any of these movies that you can identify and say they they have a um, an argument for a best actor or not. Um, Hugh Jackman's one of them. He's he's fantastic in this. I love the subject matter. Corey Finley already became one of my uh, you know favorite directors after uh, Thorbreds. I, th I still think that's uh, the better movie of the two, but he has this really cool knack for just kind of letting his camera glide through these sort of domestic spaces like homes and 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 schools, you know and um, and really making them just, or really injecting them with a kinetic energy that you would think belongs in a movie like *The Five Bloods*, on like you know, in the in like a more action-oriented setting. Uh, but it, it feels right at home in, in some of these more like domestic dramas, uh, or even comedies, because his movies are pretty funny too. But yeah, so *Bad Education*, really unique tone, really great direction, really great performances. It just, for whatever reason, another one that when I think of staying power, which to me staying power is what really defines the the next three films i'll bring up for the rest of the night i don't know if it has it well i would i so i if coincidentally enough i'm just going to jump in this is also actually my fourth favorite of the year as well both Corey and i had this as our number ones at the halfway point we both now have it at as our as our number fours uh bad education for me um i think its subject matter is the reason why it doesn't have the stain power it's almost like a, it's, it's just kind of a zany true crime and it's done perfectly. Like, I don't think there's any beats missed. It is entertaining throughout. Like if I were, if someone were to ask me to watch a fun movie, 
I think bad education would be my number one recommendation for this year. I think it might be the most fun I've had watching a movie. Um, it's just a little, it's just a little too wacky, I guess, to have that, like, that, like, deep emotional staying power that, um, the others that we're going to talk about have, but, I mean, Hugh Jackman, great, just very, very fun, and, and so interesting, so, I agree, great movie. Um, yeah, we, we should get go... across really quick that this is a, a very good movie. I feel like we were both so negative considering it's our fourth best yeah. of the year. Yeah. But... Uh, definitely recommend this one. It just uh, I I feel really really passionate about my top three, so that's kind of why I made that, that separation there. That's interesting. I feel like I feel the exact same way on this. Corey and I are now best friends again. <laughs> Thank goodness it was really hard to go through this long without being friends. So you bring I up think, a certain well, animal, like yeah. if it will, you, like, it will. I think this movie soon, of all the man. yeah 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 it will change soon. But I think this is this is a very undivisive movie. You can show this to literally anyone and they will love it, which is a testament that this is, like we said, great, great film. I think people will really, really like it. So we are now back to Samir with his fourth favorite movie of 2020. Well, Sam and Corey just renewed their friendship vows and uh, there's a lot of positivity in the air. Our pacing is good. And along came Samir with his reign of terror again, about to open a massive can of worms and start this and say, my fourth favorite movie of the year was Soul. What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Connie, go for it. Wow. Are we going to do this and now? And it begins. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I will. We're going to have to because this was my sixth favorite movie. This just barely didn't make the cut. It was also um, my sixth favorite I as was, well. Yeah, so it well, well, looks like this is our only time to talk about it then. So Let's this do it. is <laughs> a movie that has been tearing at the fabric of our friendship for quite a while now. If you follow the blog, Corey has posted essentially his snuff piece on this movie, <laughs> explaining why it's the worst Pixar movie ever made, why it's the worst kids movie ever made. Well, hey, I didn't doctor, say it's the worst. As long as cars do exist, I will say it is not the worst Pixar <laughs> movie. Okay, it's literally not in the same fucking universe as Cars 2. So we are going to open it up with Samir talking about why Soul is his fourth and why it's Dana and our sixth. Like, I, I want to get across that. This barely, barely didn't make it. I am a huge fan of this movie. It was my favorite animated movie of the year. Um, so Samir, why do you love this movie? Um, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna talk about why I love it briefly, and also in there I'm gonna include some stuff in anticipation of Corey's argument uh, to kind of speed things up. So I love this movie. I I really do, and I I enjoyed it and. It's it's really nice to have a movie that you can just, you know, we talked about this dialogue from Nolan's movie, Don't Think It, Just Feel It. And to me, I was just able to watch this with my family on Christmas Day, and I really felt it. I just let it come into me. And it's easy to kind of build up a defensive, because we, we are film bros after all, uh, build up a defensive wall and think about movies so critically. And I just laid down on my leather couch and just... uh you know, took, took took in this movie and let it fill me up. And I think I, I just really loved it. Like the ending was so moving to me. Um, 
And one thing that um, a lot of uh, black creators talked about when watching this movie that I could kind of relate to um, was kind of that the movie has representation, but the representation is not the story. And that's also another major point I liked about it in that it's it's in the background. And Joe as a character is really, you know, he's he's a part of the story, but his story is not about um, his cultural identity. And I kind of made I talked about the same thing with Sound of Metal, too. Um, but with Soul, I just want to say that really briefly. Um, you know, I, I I think it's a beautifully animated movie. The score is amazing. Um, even though I don't think the voice acting of the two main leads is that strong. Everybody else is really strong in terms of the voice acting, especially the Jerry's. Um, and the ending really got me. And I do think it is a subversive message. And the only thing I'll say before I let Corey talk about it, I see him nodding his head is that right you can think that you know other it, it follows the pixar formula that like other movies blah, blah 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 it's not so subversive we've already had movies this year that have done this like sound of metal it's a wonderful life um the one thing i will say is that for a yep. movie it's a wonderful uh, life we, we, my favorite movie of 2020 <laughs> <laughs> well see we, we we talked about borat 2 and how how great borat 2 was and i think the subtext of our like conversation about Borat 2 um implicit in that was that two things that are really important I think for movies are time and context and this movie being released this year I think is really important and I also think that it being released in the genre of a big budget family movie is also really important because while we have movies like Sound of Metal etc etc that may have broached similar topics. I think a big budget animated kids movie talking about um, these things is really important. And what I will say is that in movies like Coco that Corey will inevitably bring up. Um, and Why don't you let me respond before you just answer <laughs> all of the, my, yeah, like, well, No, the, answer them all. Don't give them yeah, a platform. <laughs> yeah, I, well, okay. Last thing this I'll say in debate, movies like Coco, etc. You have the main character really wants something he really wants to play guitar he wants his family to accept him in movies like kung fu panda same genre big budget animated kids you know you have a guy that really wants to pursue his passion pursue his dream he wants to do kung fu in this movie joe gets what he wants to do like 20 minutes i think it's like around 15 minutes and then at that point he realizes huh maybe there's more to this maybe this isn't what i'll you know this, this isn't what i really want and that's where I think as a kid's movie, that last 15 minutes when Joe is sitting there thinking, you know what? I just am not feeling that. I'm feeling that hollowness and emptiness, even though this is what I wanted. And this is what the movie led me to believe that I wanted. This is what the viewers thought that I wanted. And we all sat there and felt that Joe's, huh, okay, this doesn't feel as great as I thought it would feel. And I think that's the final twist in the knife, especially for a kid's movie, for them to convey that emotionally um it it really succeeded in that um before i talk more about it i'm gonna let Corey talk about oh, yeah i want to i want to go off just a little bit because yeah um i already mentioned on last week's episode you can listen there and hear me explain how this plot is ex absolutely identical to coco's uh by extension it's identical to almost every pixar film but that's fine right like soul is trying to more overtly show what it's about like so it uh, it's different i won't i won't say it's identical to other pixar movies in that way 
It is instead just incredibly uh, like boring and just like um, a slog to get through because its own logic is constantly folding in on itself. If any of you could could like I, I and I know you can't. If you could possibly explain to me <laughs> Shut the- how it works, right? That Joe is able to play piano to enter the zone, as it's called in the movie, and therefore return to the the great great uh, before, as it's called. And then for some reason, once he's there, so uh, to, from our perspective, Joe is still just playing the piano and he's able to kind of whisk his soul away. But once he is there, he is now unable to return to Earth without like a little tag, which he gives away to to uh tina fey's character 22 at that point you think the story's over he's just gonna die which doesn't even make sense that he should die because he's alive don't think feel piano. it Corey stillman uh, 2020 <laughs> yeah except except at least tenet tells you that that's the case and and tenet's log tenet's logic doesn't fold in on itself for as complex as it is it, it still comes out as uh as a a complex but at least coherent uh structure so so soul, you're, you're... Wait, 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 wait. soul is constantly folding in on itself like <laughs> like and then finally when you think of it it's at least you know made some sense of itself it's about to end the movie decides that it doesn't even want to reinforce its own message and instead gives joe a second chance to go back to to go back to, to living life blah, blah blah and then just to add one last little twist the movie just uses the exact same ending scene that sound of metal has of of a man looking around his surroundings I guarantee you they did not copy sound of metal <laughs> oh no! I mean, I there's no way no, no, that the director is not notes and going. Everyone's talking at once. No, no, of course I'm not. I'm not a, at all saying that they they watched Sound of Metal and copied it because they couldn't have. I'm not saying that a young viewer has seen Sound of Metal. If you guys, if your only defensive soul is that it's great for little kids, I'm totally with you. Like let little kids. Like I, why would I ever take it away from a little kid to enjoy this movie? That's totally fine. But Pixar has made it its project throughout its existence to be the animation studio for everyone this isn't it this isn't illumination like i fucking hate minions but i would never bother to criticize that movie because like fuck that's that's squarely for kids pixar believes itself to be of a higher think it works for everyone pixar believes that it is it is made for people like us just as much as it's made for kids and and yet this movie is entirely incoherent and has and has no interest in saying anything that that hasn't been said countless times before by much better movies. It's a theme that is really prominent in pretty much every major movie of 2020. Every in some capacity, this has been discussed in 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 almost every major movie this year, and it's a great theme to talk about. Oh, like your career isn't what defines you. All the late, but like, but that's it. That, that's also the thing that I'll, that I'll say real quick. This movie is so interested in careers and how uh, careers define you, and, and why that is kind of a flawed American concept. Guys, it's made by fucking Walt, the Walt Disney Company. That, you think when a hedge oh fund man quits his job, okay. you can't fault okay. the movie because it was made by a corporation. Here's the thing. Oh, I absolutely, like, I absolutely can. Because Walt Disney Company got. I mean, you can. It's a bad for, fucking point, though. It's, it's, I, I mean, was. Watching, it's a really crucial point. It's a really crucial so point. I, I was watching <laughs> this movie with my younger sister, and I think this little anecdote that I'm about to give captures the gist of maybe some, of, maybe the majority of our listeners, and definitely my reaction. Maybe about 40 minutes into this movie, they're hyping up. You know, um, what's it called? Like the they they have a word for passion or something. What was it? The spark, um, which the movie also spark, spark. reinvents yeah, yeah. the definition so, of throughout. So what it is, is that 40 minutes into the movie, my sister was like, so because they're talking about Spark and how it's this amazing thing, the reason to live, why we're on Earth. She was like, well, what's my Spark? 
And I felt that kind of like panic that kids would be having, teenagers would be having, maybe even some adults would be having. 40 minutes in, you're like, oh my God, you know, it just as, as a kid, we're fed like this narrative and so much like um, propaganda, follow your dreams, do whatever, like follow your dreams, don't listen to anyone, rebel, you can do it. And I think it's led to a generation of people now um, who are like 20, who are in their 20s and 30s are just kind of like, huh, well, like, I don't really know what my dream is. It changes every week. Do I even really like this thing that I've convinced myself I like? And I think this movie by the end perfectly answers that question of, you know what, it's all going to be okay. Even if I don't really like the thing that I'm, I can, I've convinced myself that I like, and that Dude, maybe I might it just be you. like I'm lying to myself. Um, I, I think the movie really sticks the landing there, Corey. No, see, that's the thing. I mean, it, it sticks the landing because it, oh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's its own logic, like I keep saying, um, <laughs> is constantly contradicting itself. So in that sense, it doesn't stick the landing. If you think it did stick the landing, it's only because the movie is fucking bashing over the head with it throughout the the entire time. It's. I agree with you. Like that. This is a really important theme that I do think has. Um. You know. Uh. Without it, you know, a lot of people have have suffered and and gone down entirely wrong paths in their lives. I think it's a really important theme to hear. But we should all be. And and I know this is the point that Samir kind of alluded to. I'm, I want to plug my piece on our on our blog site. You could find it on, on my blog as well at mustread.com. But get this, those hate clicks in, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this move. We should all be very concerned that this idea is is considered revolutionary because Disney has now said it. That is really scary. Walt Disney has put out a film rehashing an idea that, like I said, has been has been uh, gone over in several, several films. It has been part of several other cultures, especially a lot of like Eastern cultures for centuries. It's it's not even like a, a, a noble, a novel idea in, in other countries. And now we're acting like we've, we're hearing it for the first fucking time because Walt Disney, the largest media conglomerate on the planet, has has introduced it. You can say like, oh, I shouldn't criticize the movie based on who made it, but we should be very, very concerned that that the Disney company is in the business of deciding what is within and not within our discourse. And it is because other like this again this idea has been around it has been said by much better movies and only soul which literally goes to exhausting lengths just to explain why this is the case and you still can't help but contradict itself is now like the definitive think, statement on all uh, things i think oh what wow we're, like, your career is not the only thing that, what, that matters i think what we're slowly chipping at what we're getting at um without getting repetitive is that the sad reality of it is disney is a disney has a lot of reach and if Disney puts out something, a lot of people will see it. And this is a message that Sound of Metal possibly could not have given with its reach and its scope. When a movie like Soul gives this message, the reality is that like so many more people will have access to this message. And I think that's definitely to the good socially. So I'm just saying as know. as members of a film podcast, we honestly owe it to our <laughs> listeners God. to not endorse soul to endorse better films it's fine if you appreciate that people have accessed this message but we owe it to viewers to find better movies than this piece of shit that at least would offer a coherent a coherent argument again you can't no one no one answer my no one answer my initial question wait how does he you're... become alive play piano and then die again and have to and have to stay in the in the great beyond how the fuck does any of the shit happen in that's tenet? like a dude 
I explained that's like a plot it. thing though. That's not an argument thing. That's not the film's argument. You know what I mean? Like, well, again, that, all right. I, you, want, you want the film's argument? The film's argument is that he, you have to find your spark. You have to go through all of your mentors' lives uh, and all of their interests and find what your spark is from them. Or if, or if you can't find it, you can go through all of the other everything that's ever existed. And then halfway through the film, they're like, "Oh, we, we were kidding that whole time. A spark is actually like a totally different thing." But the, the movie just wants to reinvent its language as it goes because it's not interested in story first. It's interested in hitting you over the head with this theme. You need a good story to reveal a good theme, not the other way around. Soul started with an idea. How do we say that American careerism is bad and people should find a greater purpose in life? That's a noble question to ask, but they, you don't start from that point. You find a great story that reveals that point, which is, again, like I agree that maybe a kid wouldn't watch it, but a movie like Sound of Metal does that. A movie like It's a Wonderful Life does that. One of the most popular Christmas family films of all time. Like, it, it, there are better See, movies out there, and we owe it to people to, to point them towards those films and not a shitty corporate <laughs> piece of crap like Soul. The other thing that I will say is that whereas a movie like Sound of Metal, like I had it in my number five, I will say that's a movie that, like, yeah, as, as an audience member, you kind of have to, like, read into it and think about it to arrive at that conclusion. Whereas Soul, and I wouldn't say this for any other movie, and I'm surprised I'm saying it, it's actually to the good that this is a movie that leads you to its conclusion. It grabs you by the hand, just like a mom would to a kid. And I think that kid is in all of us. And it takes you to that emotional conclusion that is comforting, that does um, resolve. And I think that, like I said, time and context are really important. After a year like 2020, when so many kids and myself, even teenagers, got to see our parents like work at home and realize like see careerism up front um the time of it was important the scope of this message being reached was important um sam and dane you've been relatively quiet you guys can chip in before we move on real quick from here no we can I, we can I, move on i feel like winner. i yeah well I, they haven't said anything no so I fuck wanna... off Corey. okay like, <laughs> i will just like oh my god i i like i was dreading this debate honestly because I was really trying to be friends with Corey. If you guys <laughs> have been listening up until this point, at number four, Corey and I were riding sky high. Like, I was going to invite him to be, like, my best man at a wedding or something like that. And now I'm back to, like, my usual opinion on Corey, which is that That's what he I talks said. really fast. I said... <laughs> he says some big words. He says, you can't fucking rebut this. And then you rebut it. And then he goes, no, but Disney's bad. And then you're like, well, fuck <laughs> off. I don't know what to say. I, I like, think I'm always giving like, pretty good arguments. I, think... I don't know. You're so fucking annoyed. And <laughs> I like, yes, it's the, it's, it's, I think what we're beating around the bush is that Pixar is a kid movie. And then you go, well, it's a kid movie for all adults. And then, but at the end of the day, like, I just find like that maybe this movie isn't as consistent as, and if we're going to compare it to Coco, of course the movie's not going to live up. Coco is the best Pixar movie. Yeah, Dude, I could, it's I, not I, as I, good I, as Coco. I will I, admit that. Really I could up. compare it to Elmo and Grouchland, no, Corey, the first movie I ever let, saw, and I would say Elmo and Grouchland had a more coherent so plot. You're so, <laughs> you're so annoying. I think the idea that the meaning of life is a fucking flower petal falling on your finger is so unbelievably beautiful. And I think that is so profound and has not been done in any, in any fucking Pixar movie. And okay, let's talk about, let's talk about fucking It's a Wonderful Life. That movie came out in fucking 1943 or something like that, <laughs> like during the fucking World War II. 
and or like post World War Two, like maybe a year or two after. Like no fucking seven year old is watching that shit anymore. I'm sorry, no seven year old's gonna watch. And I know you're gonna be like, oh well, Disney can't fucking do this. Like I don't fucking care, Corey. Like so many kids saw an important message. They saw it in a profound, and we haven't touched on it on the most beautifully animated Pixar movie ever. This is the most visually striking Pixar movie ever. I made. actually and that. Oh, I agree with you there. And I and that's very true. Every Pixar movie from here on out will be the new most uh, impressive animation because it, it's just the nature of of the technology and the industry and the company. Soul is looks absolutely gorgeous. I agree with what a lot of Samir had to say about how it, it sort of incorporates black culture. I think that's really cool and, and definitely a, an important first for the company. But I guys like I like. You're seven, like little seven and ten-year-olds. He's not going to be able to change his mind on this. Like little seven and ten-year-olds go love like power, like a new Power Rangers movie, and like we would all think it's a piece of shit, and we would criticize it. Why are why aren't we giving? Why are we letting kids enjoying this movie? Because I'm so happy kids enjoy it. Of course, because we felt why is that we felt it. We sat there and we let it fill us up. That's not an all-out defensive (laughs) movie. I'm so happy that kids love it. I hope every kid loves this movie. Kids should love movies, but we don't have to. Uh, so Dang. I'm glad our <laughs> listeners have tuned into the last episode of our podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'll get my final under a new brand in the last. Yeah. I'll, so I was just soaking that all in because I was loving every second of that. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think I you, my man. overall enjoyment, enjoyment and, and love for the movie is going to change. I think the message it portrays is important and the overall uh audience that it reaches it, it, is something that can't really be done with any other uh i guess more more indie type film or just uh more adult drama in general uh i will say disney absolutely big corporation that is is very hypocritical for putting a piece out like this, uh, a film out like this, and Corey, you've definitely. I I still think the message is important. I I do think there are some plot points that fold in on itself, uh, particularly the part where you did mention where he gets like his second chance at life. I do remember briefly in the movie when that happened. I was like. I think it would have been a little bit more profound if they would have found, uh, come up with another way to portray this instead of just letting him live again. But yeah, I'll, I'll just respond to that really I, quick because I, I, I cried that, when he got the second chance. One of the movies that one of the movies that didn't come up, or I, I doubt I will come up tonight, this movie but, too. but came up on our first episode was another Pixar movie, Onward, and Onward has a great, great ending that denies the protagonist and the viewer like a certain pleasure or satisfaction but it, uh, it's all the more emotional as a result soul has that same opportunity with the notion of joe deciding he's really not going to live anymore and then he's there's like actually here's a second chance it's a, i don't know it just it let me down i do i do agree i i low-key did want him to just accept yeah i thought that's what he was i thought that would have been really fuck i thought that would have been really cool but there is absolutely you know how many fucking yeah. bad <laughs> would be it. Just, <laughs> if their kids fucking main character just went yeah it went, yeah like kids would never be able to wrap their head around <laughs> someone <laughs> accepting the mortality of themselves <laughs> and moving on but i i okay so i think that is enough about this debate this is relatively what i thought the debate was gonna go like 
Um, if, if there is one thing you know, we've the learned, viewers can decide who won. I was gonna say, if there's one thing we've learned from yes, this discussion Dan. is that Coco is the most exceptional Pixar movie to date, and yeah, I agree. It portrays its message. Yeah, I agree flawlessly. <laughs> well, thank you for that raucous debate. Um, I hope we're all friends after this, and then our <laughs> podcast can continue. Just a reminder, my fourth movie was Bad Education, which leads us right back to Samir real quick for his third favorite movie of 2020, which was Bad Education. Um, listen, wow. like, I wasn't with you guys on the first movie uh, or on the first episode of this podcast, um, and I wanted to talk about this movie then. I, th- I think it's a super cool movie, and I think every. Every single thing you guys said about it is absolutely 100% true. I kind of felt my biggest criticism of the movie is that I kind of felt its ephemeral, short-lived nature. Even while watching it, I was like, okay, this movie is really good. It's like the best like TV movie or something I've ever seen. And like, I just don't yeah. know if it, people are going to be talking about it like two years from now, three years from now, whatever. Hugh Jackman gives a crazy good performance here especially excelsior that so scene good. where he's uh where he's um in the oh, principal's office so, so good I, I think that's like best so monologue fun. of the year maybe um yeah and overall agreed. i think it's just it's a great showcase for its actors geraldine vispanadan i think and the other people in the movie um and just i can't believe that happened man like it's <laughs> such a yeah. wild story i cannot believe that happened um yeah, hopefully it's all good now. Cool. But that's my number three. Cool. Yeah, what a great, a great movie, great movie. So we are gonna take it over to Dane for his third favorite movie of 2020. All right, guys. So this is one I know you guys have not seen. Uh, I threw it in our group message a while back, saying about it. But this is the Netflix original, His House. Congratulations. You're being released as asylum seekers, not as citizens, not yet. You will be sent to a home of our choosing. You must not move from this. It's a horror movie, and I was really blown away by this. Listeners, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of of visuals and, and horror storytelling from the last episode. And this movie really brings to me what the horror genre is into a very well constructed well constructed horror narrative the most impressive thing to me with this movie is the visuals it doesn't rely 100% on CGI there are some amazing makeups in this film and the the CGI shots i don't have any problem with them because they do make some for some absolutely gorgeous and very unexpected shots in this movie. Uh, but yeah, I recommend it to you guys, listeners. I recommend it to you. Um, I think that it is it is really one that surprised me this year. I, I turned it on not really knowing much about it. And looking at reviews, I was like, ah, oh, I'll check this out. I didn't even know it came out in 2020 until I ended up looking up some stuff about it afterward but yeah i i really love this movie i'll be very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it once you watch it um it suits my fancy for what i 
enjoy about movies. Uh, so yeah, that's my that's his house is my number three. Cool. I think we'll all check that out for you, Dane. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I'll definitely check it we'll out. All be... Yeah, I, I I was gonna check that out. The trailer, the trailer is really fun. Yeah, well, cool, that, that's so a... I'm actually surprised. That's the thing that like that we that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Sam. Yeah, Dane, you want to go? I was gonna say, like, uh, for me, like the biggest surprise with this movie was how impressive the visuals were for it being a Netflix movie. Uh, like, I could have completely been told that this movie was a a huge budget film to come out in theaters. Uh, yeah. So, honestly, it's probably for me one of the most impressive Netflix originals to come out. Uh since they've been putting out original content so i'll be uh anxious to hear what you guys have to say about it cool sounds good that which now takes us to cory stillman's third favorite movie or as we call him now the grinch what was the, the grinch. grinch's third favorite movie of 2020 yeah, Dan, I think you bring up a bring up an interesting point. Like a lot of Netflix originals, uh, at least like the Netflix like genre originals, tend to be really hit or miss. So I'll definitely have to check out his house. But I do think one area where Netflix originals have really excelled is like the the true melodrama or like kind of like that more Oscar contender type film. They always land a few of those per year. Uh, and so keeping in line with that, my third overall film is a film I literally finished wow. right before we logged on to this podcast. Uh, is Pieces of a Woman. I wanted the baby to decide when she wanted to come. My daughter came into this world. Uh, this this is a really, really, really good movie, guys. It's a really upsetting movie. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to say too much about it because I want to give you guys a chance to watch it as well as the viewers at home considering it is so newly available uh, i'll just say this you know we talked a lot about how it's been a great year for leading actors um but we haven't given enough credit credit to the leading ladies as well i mean i mentioned anya uh, taylor joy at the top of the episode as a performance i really enjoyed this year i really liked rachel brosnahan in i'm your woman i thought Letitia wright was really yeah. great in uh mangrove but by far by far the best performance this year and i really could not imagine anyone else landing an oscar although i'm sure Someone inevitably will because they they rarely get it right. Um, the best performance this year belongs to Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of Your Woman. She is absolutely incredible in this movie. She plays a, a mother who um, is dealing with with a miscarriage, uh, and, and it, so she's dealing with her grief and and just you know obviously some other drama falling out from that. Uh, so like I said, very upsetting, um, but really beautifully well beautifully done. Like the camera does some really really cool things in this one. The score is great uh, and. It's one. It's probably this year's. You know, Netflix gets like your Romas, your Marriage Stories, Uncut Gems came onto it a little bit after its theatrical release. Every year, it does get a few of those really, really big movies, but not many. Uh, Pieces of your of a woman is is that movie for for twenty twenty. Cool. Excited to watch that. When that released, like within the past two weeks. I think it. I thought it was coming out on the eighth, so I didn't think I'd be able to include it for the uh, episode or for the episode, but it came out today. So it's it's really, oh, really? oh very cool okay very cool definitely we'll check that out um initial reviews are are just as good as Corey has said so an exciting time uh to watch that one which then would take me to my third uh 
which is a movie that we haven't talked about yet, but I imagine will be on all of our lists. So I'm excited to talk about it and get it started, which is Minari. Uh, for the viewers at home that might be wondering how the fuck we watched that movie before anyone else, it's because I had the plug and I got the screeners early because of a family connection. Uh, nepotism is good for one thing, and that is getting a the movies early. So we all have been able to watch Minari uh, and Nomadland and Promising Young Woman, all three of those. Um, but now you're just going to get whoever right shared now. that with you uh, arrested for sharing a screener with yeah, four podcasters. I'll give the social security <laughs> number too. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I watched Minari today um, and dude like what a great great movie and like there actually uh is a consistent theme that is starting you wouldn't see it with bad education but you would see it with the other four movies of my top five that i was really into the hopeful uh sweet soft movie this year and minari is just like a warm summer day throughout it is so um nostalgic for childhood it is very soft it's very sweet there is you know i i hearken it to walking through a grass field in the summer and you step on like a prickly plant real quick so it like kind of there's a little bit of an edge to it but for the most part i find it very tender steve yoon is steve yoon is fantastic in this movie the six-year-old boy whoever whatever the actor's name is is alan kim yeah a great child actor he is very dude i genuinely would love to see him getting a a supporting actor now i think the kid's that good yeah he's fantastic yeah dude he's fantastic and b just one of the cutest kids i've ever fucking seen he is absolutely adorable yeah they're just like i i don't like say like oh throughout like movies often but there were multiple times where i was like oh that's so cute like the part where I won't get too into it, but there's one scene I just want to say. It's when they find water from the well for the first time and they're letting loose like their primal scream. And I was just like, this is the fucking sweetest movie I've ever seen. And it's not preachy. It's not, you know, I don't think it it, it has really interesting things to say about the American dream, but it kind of leaves it up to the audience about what your interpretation of that dream is and of what america is i think it it's a shame that this movie is going to be considered a foreign language film that's like the report mm-hmm. is that this will be treated as a foreign language film because so i believe this is one of the it's so gross because i believe this is one of the true great american films that i've watched in a very long time i think this is a great representation of all the joys and horrors that is america um so yeah um minari absolutely fucking loved it yeah i mean i i I assume i assume you guys know this about that controversy but this movie it's what's so fucked up is that it it is an american movie in literally every sense of the word born in america uh produced it didn't he yeah yeah bad pit brad pitt produced it 
uh, and uh, A24 distributed it. So it is literally American in it's, every sense no, of the word. Project, it's project. It's project B. Or, or yeah. Well, plan no, uh, plan, plan B is the plan B is the production company. But yeah, because that's Brad Pitt's. But A24 um, did the the oh, theatrical okay. distribution for it. But yeah, I mean, it's My it's literally an American movie in every sense. It just includes some Korean dialogue because it fucking focuses on Korean Americans. It's just like I've never seen a more blatantly racist oh, uh, decision from literally. from uh, an awards body. Because he didn't want to compromise on that authenticity. That's what I love about it so much. The movie is so uncompromising. And it's just such a shame that like its uncompromising attitude is now being used against it. And I think it's like one of the major strengths of the movie. Um, yeah, I think it is horribly ironic at how the movie is being treated uh, from uh, awards platforms and stuff like that. Because uh, arguably the movie itself even touches on some of these issues and how uh even very briefly with how coming to america is and just uh trying to express and hone that american dream uh and i i will say too minari is my is my number two i just watched this today and sam the way you describe this movie is exactly how i felt it very much was what I described while watching it was like a daydream. It's shot so beautifully. And I I often judge a movie at how hard it makes me cry or how early it makes me cry. <laughs> and Minari, like I'd say 30 minutes in, probably not even 30 minutes in, I there are moments where I just got tears of joy. I got teary-eyed with just how hopeful and uh, amazing all of these performances are um i mean you talked about david his, his character is he he's just he's so good in this movie all of the uh, supporting characters are excellent and just yeah might i sorry real quick shout out yoon yu jung the grandma in the movie oh Dude, she's so I, I was i was about to say what a great character yeah too. i i was she's about so to good. say i she is my favorite part of the movie arguably holds the entire movie together is more or less uh, to me a lot of the driving force especially with the conclusion of the film she just tore my heart apart she was so sweet and I wanted to give her a hug the entire time it was just <laughs> it, it really it was a movie you said there's edge to it but throughout all of that subtle grittiness i couldn't help but feel like i was just being wrapped up in a blanket and told it was going to be okay uh very much my feelings with sound of metal but i, I mean it the it, it made me like have a, a physically feel every shot in the film i i just i i really was breathtaken by a, a lot of the moments in this movie it just it, it's so it's so damn sweet and that's that's my thoughts i i loved it yeah, i'll say i think i'm the only one who doesn't have it on my, on my list and i'll just say that there's Ooh, really no there's really no like reason for that i think there were just movies i was a little bit more passionate about uh like yeah i mean i i agree with everything you guys are saying like i i really don't have many criticisms of it um if I if you ask me to find one, there I say there were like very few in the lines of dialogue that I felt 
um, were maybe a little like, like you know, like, uh, just lines that felt a little overwritten. But that's still so so minor yeah. because I think the 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 direction and the the performances do so much to compensate for that. Like I I almost I, I really don't mean to criticize the movie at all because I do think it is so great. I just I was really fond of a lot of movies in 2020 and it didn't make my five, but. I think it definitely belongs um, in, in on a lot of year end lists, so you won't hear any complaints. From me. I would Cheap. I would also be remiss. Just final thing about this movie, Emil Moseri has had the fucking year of his life. If you guys don't know, he is the man who made the score of this movie, oh. which is fucking awesome, so good. And he is also charged with the score of Kajillionaire, which has I'm not like super super hot on that movie, but very very good score. He also did the score of The Last Black Moon in San Francisco, which I also think is the best part of that movie. He absolutely kills it in this movie as well, um, which leads us now to our number two, as Dane just said, his number two was also Minari, which would then take us to Corey for his number two movie of 2020. Yeah, so... Uh touch on this movie a little bit earlier but my number two movie of the year is another round uh i i really love the the tone that this movie takes um it's a tone that i really feel like is unique to a lot of movies that I, i've come out of these 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 nordic nations like um i don't know if you guys know the director ruben ostland but he's a he's a swedish director who yeah. makes uh you've seen the movie like force majeure is his most famous um but he, he makes really similar like these kind of like i guess i'd call them tragic comedies Movies that are so upsetting and yet so filled with joy and laughter. Um, and I, I just find that to be a really unique tone and a tone that not a lot of American movies have managed to strike in quite the right way. I mean, just look at the, the awful remake of Force Majeure that came out at the beginning of 2020, Downhill, with uh, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus yeah. and Carol. But Wait, did he make the square? Sorry, what? Yeah, he made the square as well. Okay, okay. Um. But yeah, as for uh, Thomas Vinterberg, who directed Another Round, I, I think this movie is absolutely just, like, just fantastic. I agree with what you had to say, Sam, that it takes a really unique and fun perspective on alcoholism and yet still does it with way more nuance than really depressing movies about alcoholism have, have had or, yeah. or really fun movies about drinking have had. Like it's, it really struck a balance that, again, is just I find to be really rare and uh, will make it – I mean, it's, it's my number two after all. It will make it – uh, one of the more memorable movies of the year, I think, just because there really is is nothing like it. Like, I mean, am, am I giving it too much credit? Like, don't you guys? I really do feel like this movie has a oh, tone no, that, it's, like it, it's un, one almost unprecedented. I, I completely agree with you, and I should say that this is also my number two, so that works out perfectly. Um, wow, look at it for all like the, we planned this, guys. Yeah. yeah, for 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 all the same reasons, really. Like, I think it's just it's so fun. I mentioned this the first time we talked about this. Um, the other thing that I want to call into attention is that is the structure. So every, every time, or I guess it's not the structure, it's kind of like a screenplay device, but anytime that a character would blow a blood alcohol level, we would see like a black screen with I that number. That. Yeah. And then we would so see cool. it like gradually go up and like character would try and blow another one. We would see it go up. And I thought that was just so cool. It's so interactive and like we're a part of it. Um, and we're on this journey. And we talked about soul earlier, and one of the kind of plot mechanics of soul was this thing called lost souls, people who have just kind of like lost touch with their lives and the energy with their lives. 
in my letterbox review i opened with this would make an interesting double feature with another round soul and this movie about like are you admitting that another movie in 2020 has the same theme as soul <laughs> shut the I fuck mean, up they, they explore it in different ways for sure but i think that dude I think show that a seven year old another round <laughs> right yeah they'll become an alcoholic <laughs> no but i i think you know this movie it starts off with like that same thing like this guy main character is a lost soul and then it brings in this really fun element to shake things up and i'm there with you i'm listening it's so engaging throughout it and as it becomes this cautionary tale, it never loses that like entertainment factor. It never becomes preachy, in my opinion, or like an anti-alcohol ad. Rather, it becomes a celebration of life, which I think is the movie's greatest strength. All right, guys. So uh, anyway. I, I have yet to see another round. Um, I'm ashamed. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to probably end up watching it tomorrow with just how you guys have been talking about it. So my homework for you guys is you watch his house and I'll watch another round and then we can uh, give each other. Yeah. A Sounds like a deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is um, like I said, I, you guys were like, this is only fifth. Um, I think that I, there, I don't know. I, it's like uh, Corey not having Minari in his top five. Like that is not an indictment on this movie. This movie is, is fucking awesome. I think every, I think a lot of people will really, really like this. And we won't spoil it, but the end scene is just so, so good. Like, just a very <laughs> joyous, joyous moment. And um, that might the have been, itself been a spoiler, so don't listen to that. You so, know what, yeah. funny though, uh, what's funny, though, is it's not a spoiler. At least for me, like, I knew going into this movie, the ending was going to be insane. That's what everybody was saying about it. But I promise you, nothing yeah. can prepare you for what that ending actually looks like. It, it's it's insane yeah. in, in, yeah. in all most unpredictable and incredible ways and it's like unruinable like you can't ruin it <laughs> and while we're talking mean, last yeah, say about this movie really really quick before we, we we get into our next reveal um we you know we, we just all night just you have to say that you know all night we're talking about great lead performances um mads, mads mickelson, mickelson absolutely killed. deserves a, award recognition for this too i mean he he's a guy who like he, he looks evil right and he looks like a villain yeah. he's always been typecasted in american movies Is as like a, a specter mm-hmm. like he's the he's villain a, yeah, in, yeah, in a bond movie, yeah right? and then he's yeah. uh and then he's the villain in um it's dr strange right? yeah he's the villain that guy, yeah. yeah 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 so i mean he's just, i mean he, he's had he has he's had some some different roles but um he has a lot he's more also range, uh, like, like, hannibal lecter films in the hannibal tv shows. yeah exactly exactly so yeah i mean but but what i've always known about mads mickelson is that in real life and in interviews he's like a really funny upbeat silly goofy guy and another round finally captures that uh in, in all the right ways and it finally does the actor justice so i'm really happy for him that he got Can to I, be in a movie like this. i'm excited to watch this very excited yeah you know a movie's good when like you're talking about it and you just start smiling again and like yeah, this movie will just make you smile. It's so, oh, it's I want so I want to watch that last scene um, again. Just, oh. And I'll drink to that. I know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll drink to that. That's definitely what the movie wants you to do. Um, so I will take it to my second uh, of 2020, which is a movie we've already touched on. I don't need to go more into depth about it. It was one of my three picks for the Secret Santa series, which is The Sound of Metal. Um, just so good and i'll just say like the final um sequence with him and his girlfriend is is my favorite scene of the year so i think that is 
um just a fantastic movie you guys should obviously check it out for a lot of a lot of reasons if not just that reason alone yeah i've i've finally gotten Which to the now, point where i've started to see um some people some people talking about it getting a little bit more new um uh coverage in the media buzz yeah and sound of metal yeah. is it's my number one it is a movie that i uh continue to tell friends to watch um i got my parents to watch it and they loved it um yeah it it i talked about like having that feeling of someone telling you it's going to be okay and sound of metal captures that perfectly i talked about it a lot but i i really i i love this movie and it made me feel such a unique sensation at the end i mean the end is perfection um performances are absolutely incredible um i can't say much more about it other than just just watch it and be prepared to to have that warm tingly feeling of acceptance when you're done <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll hop so in. I think that's quick. a I good segue you... to then go to Corey. <laughs> yeah, go on to Corey. Yeah, I think you all probably knew coming into tonight's episode. If there's one thing you could have predicted, it was that I was going to have this movie number one. It. I mean, and again, I'll I'll even admit that maybe you know, in part of our soul conversation, I'm just like a little biased because I just adore this movie so so much. This yeah. like I I would go as as far as to say like, um, you know when I think about some of the top movies of the last like several years, I think sound of metal is one that's really going to stick out to me just because I don't think I've been so affected by a film in so, so long. Um, and just a quick anecdote about it that I think speaks to the film's power, although it is a really kind of sad story too. Um, I recommended this movie to my grandparents and my, and my pop pop, who's kind of hard of hearing. He's been losing his hearing obviously as he's getting older. Um, he couldn't get through this movie like, like at about like 45 minutes into the movie he was just overwhelmed by it and thought it was too much and he, and he had to turn it off, uh, which obviously makes me sad. I wanted him to get through the movie. And um, also, like, you could have viewed that as an indictment of the film. But I just I heard that and I thought it was like a really kind of tribute to just how um, real and, and visceral and, and beautiful that this film is, that it could it could overwhelm my, my pop up who's not. He's a strong man, you know, like he's a he certainly has, has some like mental fortitude, but to like um, to even to, to feel so so seen to where it overwhelmed you obviously like that's 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 a a, it's kind of a sad story and it makes me feel for him as as his grandson but i also think again is a a testament to sound of metal uh and and again just how how strong of a film this is how how amazing riz ahmed's performance is uh how incredible the sound design is it's it's really just like i'm really really in in love with it and and the last thing i want to say on it really quick is um I think I might have mentioned some of the names behind it in the past, but I really want to give a shout out to, uh, well, you know, it was written by Darius Martyr, so I sh- or and written and directed by Darius Martyr, so I should mention his name. But I really want to shout out Derek Down France, who wrote the film um, and also has been partners with Darius Martyr throughout his career. Martyr wrote the Place Beyond the Pines. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah, I have. That was also directed by Derek yeah, Down France, and that was with where Ryan Martyr Gosling, first. Right? Yeah, Ryan Gosling and Bradley Cooper. Um, I finally got a chance to watching that. Really enjoyed it. My second favorite thing made this year outside of Sound of Metal was a mini series. I know this much is true with uh, Mark Ruffalo, and that was also directed and written by Derek Sion France. So it's been quite the year for this guy. He's really, really killed it. And um, if there's a thread connecting a lot of what he makes, I think it's just that he 
tells really, really emotionally vulnerable stories about men, which, believe it or not, is, is, is quite the rarity in, a, in the cinematic landscape. So um, I really, really appreciate it. I feel like I've really been like gifted his work in 2020, and, and Sound of Metal is, uh, is particularly the one that I'm, I'm really, really happy to have in my life now. That was awesome. Cool. Good stuff. Um, so that would take us to, so, wow, like four birds, one stone on that movie, just back to back to back. <laughs> but we are now halfway through uh, all the mediocre film guys on their favorite movie of 2020. So we are to Samir now, who will give us his favorite movie of 2020. So my favorite movie of this entire year was Mank by David Fincher. No. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was a dude. I, I, I was no, like, I, you just. I, I, I knew you were kidding. I, in my head, I lived like, I know whatever Samir says first will be a joke. I was just like, whatever he says will be a joke. Of you know me too well. I was like, you're about to blow the um, soul to no. me. Dude, I've, I've, just been seen, I've just been seeing so many. Dude, I've just been seeing so many year end of 2020 and make exactly. it's way just, on the list. So I was, make, I was like, what? Mank? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I should just say real quick because it is interesting that none of us have Mank. Mank is like not even in my top like 20 of the year. I thought that movie was. Yeah. It's not in my top. It's. It's my twenty eighth or something like that. It's very yeah, far it, down. It, really, it's making really it onto time. so many lists in like the top three of like top critics and stuff. And it's it's so irritating. Anyways, we've talked about that yeah. movie before, and I don't. I, we we didn't like. <laughs> yeah, it we shit on that movie enough. Yeah. Um. But anyways, my favorite movie of twenty twenty is a movie that we talked about before, uh, and it's Minari. And I think you know I don't. We we did we talked about this a good amount. So the one kind of new point I will say, um, somewhat new because even we we touched upon this aspect of it too. But I'm just so obsessed with how this movie mm-hmm. looks, and we we use words like dreamy and all of that, and I think that's perfect. Like it really is just it feels so hazy, and um, you know my grandparents live in a different country. Whenever they they came here when I was like two or three, probably older than that. See, I, I don't even remember. And watching this movie is just like retrieving so many of those memories. And I think that's like, I, I can't honestly can't think of any other movie I've ever seen that's made me do that. That's made me like reach that deep into the recesses of my brain. Be like, oh, yeah, that's what it was like for me. Um, So there was that aspect to it. I just think it looks so cool. Like, I don't know how he managed to use like film language to like evoke such a specific feeling among like almost everyone that saw it because like i didn't read any reviews for this movie before i wrote my review so it was like 2 a.m and i wrote my review and i read everyone else's review and i was like holy crap everyone is saying the same thing how did this movie do that because i thought it was like a super specific internal feeling then i found out everybody felt that and now i'm just in awe because that's so hard to do to like create a feeling of a lost memory but everybody has that it's like it's like reverse mandela effect like i don't even know um i don't know it's it's crazy i i really love this movie this movie will stick with me for a really long time and i just want to shout out lee isaac chung um dude's a genius um yeah he's and i i'm going to check out his first movie about the rwandan genocide and like the impacts of the rwandan genocide um called Munyurangabo. It's it was his first movie and apparently it's like 
really, really good. Um, and he went over there to teach film to Rwandan kids. And he realized the potential of this story. And it was made on a $15,000 budget. And it's apparently like jaw-droppingly amazing. So shout out to him. Listeners, please check that out. I know I will. You should be. You should really be shouting out Sam's mysterious relative who got, who got us access to to Minari. Right. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. Mysterious I relative. know who will not be named, and no further details <laughs> will be given. Yeah. Just, um, just cut it. Just cut it off. Cut it off. They don't. Even know. <laughs> uh, FBI, take it down. Um, well, you know, Samir, it's interesting that you mentioned the term fifteen thousand dollar budget. Because the mo- my wow, really? <laughs> favorite movie of 2020 is on literally a $15,000 budget, a detail that I will soon not forget and will make Samir my best friend within the group of <laughs> us four. Um, and my favorite movie is a movie that I think a lot of you probably haven't even heard of. I know I hadn't heard of it except for a couple like brief mentionings of it. But my favorite movie of the year was Shit House. Y'all uh, getting ready for the party here? What did you say? I just asked if y'all are getting ready. Yeah. You just called an Uber. You coming? Um, I'm not sure yet. No, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Why is Colin so hard? Oh, I love Colin so much! I feel like I'm... Um, Shit House is a very low-budget, coming-of-age uh, drama-slash-comedy-slash-romance about um, a freshman at college who is adjusting poorly to the experience uh, and falling in love with his RA. I will say Shithouse is not the best movie of the year. Um, I think Sound of Metal and Minari are bigger feats. I think they are probably more, um, I, I just technically speaking, a better movie than Shithouse is. And I think for if you see that it's my number one, you might watch it and be a little disappointed by it, um, just because it, you know, I'm, it, it's a big um, expectation, I guess. But in a year where, uh, I like Corey's love of the movie is is you know inextricably inextricably linked with like an an important anecdotal experience. For me, shit house is is so monumentally important to me for the experience of 2020. Um, I mean, obviously we're four college kids or four, four and two former college kids, uh, I should say. Um, and I, you know, it's a point of privilege, but the, you know, the absolute worst part of 2020 is not being able to experience the end of college and hang out with my college friends. This movie explains the college experience in a way that no other movie has even gotten remotely close to me. Um, Samir just wrote a great blog post that you guys should check out on our blog about college movies. Um, I've always thought the college genre is either way too slapsticky or way too intense. Um, like I, I'm not a huge fan of like those old school movies or the American pie to a certain extent. Like those just don't really serve a purpose for me, but shithouse is both gets college humor and college drama. I think better than any movie I've ever seen before. Um, and the entire time I was just you know, tears in my eyes reminiscing 
this is a movie where every single character you've met in college before, there's not one character that was like, oh, that didn't happen to me. I was like, nope, that happened to me, or that happened to someone I knew, or something along those lines. And I just, you know, I just was affected by this movie in a way I, I hadn't been affected by a movie this year. So Shithouse is my number one. I'd be interested to know what you guys think. I was very scared that you guys weren't going to like this. It is a great entry into the mumblecore genre, which is up <laughs> Samir's alley. Um, but it's also a great coming of age story, which is up Corey's alley. So interested to see, well, hear what you guys I, think about it. I will say Cooper Rave, who, who stars and directs and wrote, wrote the film, um, definitely a talent to follow. Like I, I definitely think this is like a definitive declaration for him. And so it makes me excited to follow the rest of his career. I'm really excited to hear Samir connected to Mumblecore because I, I really don't view this as like remotely close to at least my understanding of the genre. I thought this plays out much more like a, like a college comedy, which is like totally fine. Like I, like I, I think it has a lot more in common with, with kind of just standard comedies, but it does it in a very low fi um, you know, a very down to earth, earnest sort of way. Maybe that's what makes it closer to Mumblecore, but the dialogue, at least to me, um, it always it always feels much more scripted than than you would um, uh, expect from a Mumblecore movie. Anyway, uh, as, as to the movie itself, one thing I think is really worth get, like hammering home about Shithouse that you kind of alluded to is um, the title. Like the title is really um, an important part of this movie because it 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 is trying to evoke like some of those movies you alluded to, like American Pie and uh animal house like shithouse once sound like it's one of those movies but what's so clever about it is that it's a total subversion of them like i said it's very down to earth very lo-fi uh you know everyone is very real and authentic in this movie um and, and I, I i almost feel like the exploitative title maybe will probably hurt it in terms of viewership because it, it sets up a lot no, of expectations right away. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, it, I didn't like the title. No, but I do like the title in terms of what it's trying to do. I just, I, I wonder if it, if it is a bad decision in the long run. Um, yeah, I really like this movie. Again, I felt really connected to it. Uh, I really, I texted Sam earlier. I was like, wow, I had no idea how much I needed this in my life. Like, I really didn't know how much I needed a movie that spoke to what I just experienced over the last four years. And in that sense, it was very comforting. Uh, and I and I really really appreciated it. I do think it had some issues in terms of the script and and some of the like some tonal inconsistencies and um, I I I think it uh, it it could have definitely been improved in, in, in at certain points and we can get into some of those specifics if we want but I don't want to spoil too much for anybody. Uh, but yeah, re really really solid. I, I I feel bad bashing on a a young guy's first ever movie. I mean, like Cooper Rafe is literally our age wow. and he's making yeah. um, a movie that's definitely picking up more momentum than you would expect from such a, a low budget, lo-fi effort. So, so yeah, props to yeah. him. Definitely enjoyed this one. Not mm -hmm. one of my favorites of the year, but really can't complain about it. Definitely enjoyed watching it. I want to say one more thing about, about yeah. the house, because I do think this is a really important part about the movie uh, that uh, I really want to mention is I love the presence that sex plays in this movie. I thought the the sex yeah. scene between the two leads, but as well as some of the the other sex scenes in this movie, were really important and really well done. 
um I, I i don't know if you guys remember this there was like there was a discourse on twitter a couple weeks ago about <laughs> yeah. whether or not sex yeah. scenes were the even dumbest like dumbest fucking conversation yeah. ever um but like i think you know if if you to- if you were to take that debate seriously and consider the merit of sex scenes a movie like shithouse would really illustrate yeah. how sex scenes can play an important role when done very again very earnestly earnest is the word i keep wanting to use about this movie very yeah. when they're done in a down-to-earth authentic sort of way um, the sex here is is really necessary to the movie, and I think again, really, really well done. There's great chemistry between the two leads. I think uh, Dylan Jellula, who played the girl, is really talented. I, she's I, great. Yeah, she's I, um, really I know great. she's she's technically, I guess, like the closest thing to like a big name amongst the main cast. I think like yeah. she has yeah. she's appeared in some TV shows and stuff, but she's really good in this. So guys, we have made a great time. Good job, everyone. We really the, picked up the case. R- r- real, real quick. The last thing I'll say, I just want to plug my blog post real quick because Sam wanted to Okay, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Do, um, do it, do it. I wrote about college movies. Dane and Corey, did you get a chance to read it? I did. I Not yet. Corey's unenthused by it. He didn't I like know, it. I know, I know. Shame on me. But I have my blog post in the works, and once I post that, I'm going to go through and read it. Corey's yeah was so unenthusiastic. Oh no, I did. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. To, to be, uh, no, I, 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 I was like, it was a great, great post. Uh, a, an argument that I think a lot of people can get behind. I, I definitely agree. Cool. So that is our five favorite movies of all of us. Um, which leads us to our final, final discussion, which is what our overall opinions on the movies that came out this year were, both like comparatively to years before. Uh, versus like just trends that you saw throughout these films that you that you either liked or didn't like. So I'll lead I, it over to Corey or to Samir, who's yeah. raising his hand first about what he thought about the year of 2020 for films. And I, I only want to go first because I think I might have the most negative take of uh, the four of us. But I I mentioned this to Sam once, and maybe this is because 2019 was such a strong year for me personally like with that slate of movies um like outside of minari i don't feel super 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 strongly like these are really strong movies for sure um maybe even minari i wouldn't even um you know but i think these are all super strong films but all, all i'm gonna say is that the movies out of the movies that came out this year that were produced this year I don't think any of them will make my all-time list. Um, and I can't really blame Hollywood for this. I can't blame the global film industry for this. This year was rough. It was a shitty year. Um, and I'm excited for 2021. So that's what I'll say. Dude, I mean, 2021 nice. might be might be the one you should worry about. Cause, uh, and 2021 is going to be worse. <laughs> yeah, because 2020 had, had <laughs> yeah, plenty of we... prior totally normal years to uh, of people making movies. 2021 is going to be the one where, yeah, I don't where know. shit we forgot. I'm still holding sense. out hope. <laughs> All I have is hope. But <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like there are there were obviously a lot of movies that didn't we yeah. didn't get this year that were delayed in the 2021. Um, but overall, I'll just say I was really impressed with 2020. I mentioned that I think Sound of Metal will will stand the test of time as one of the better movies of the last several years. Uh, and I'm already looking forward to 2029 when we can do our uh, our decade in review and I can see where Sound of Metal falls. <laughs> falls in there but uh no i mean i i really loved uh, a lot of movies this year and i'll just say this like there are obviously exceptions i think we we keep revisiting 2015 as like a overwhelmingly pretty pretty bad year in film and i and i tend to agree but i i just feel like every year in film 
can be good if you just if you just seek out the right movies and i think that's why 2020 is getting a bad rap is it's a hard year to seek out movies and it's understandable if you haven't been able to seek out movies it's perfectly okay if you've just been rewatching a lot of old ones if you've just been discovering movies you never got around to from previous years but if you took the time if you seek out a shithouse if you seek out a sound of metal uh, there are some really really good movies to be found this year uh, and they all, you know, this is probably one of those like chicken or the egg things, but they all do, I feel like speak to our current moment in, in different ways. Like, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I have my, my, uh, qualms with soul, but if we sort of take that theme and, and do think about how it was so prominent this year, was there ever a better year to tell people that to stop worrying about the labels that you've assigned yourselves to think beyond those? And take a step back and just like breathe and listen and observe the world. Like a lot of movies had that sort of that sort of uh, theme this year. And again, like it's it's corny to say it's so of the times. It spoke to the moment. These movies were made years ago and just happened to come out now. But it really could not have been better timing. A lot of these movies really really spoke to the moment. Uh, and and I think will at least a few of them will stand the test of time for that reason. Yeah, I think. When it oh, well when said. it comes back, I, I think about our discussion at our original 2020 uh, podcast, and not so much Corey, but definitely definitely me and some, um, Sam were very hesitant on where we thought 2020 was going in in terms of film. And I have to say, I I I was wrong. Um, I look at movies like all the movies in my top five. I I I loved. I, I genuinely really enjoyed. Um, but specifically like Sound of Metal and Minari, those two films could easily hold their own during any typical film year uh, or award season. Uh, as much as we hate award shows, I feel like we're always kind of comparing where, where film them. falls <laughs> in terms of like yeah. the Oscars. But uh, like I said, those two films are are fantastic and and really do hold their own in comparison to uh, any other uh, previous like best picture nominees i the the 2020 movies that i've watched i said i really enjoyed so yeah i i definitely proved my proved myself wrong in how i was gonna feel this uh how i felt this year was going with film yeah i that's actually a really good point in i was gonna bring that up as well around like yeah, first episode, I was like, dude, 2020 fucking blows. I was like, there has not been many good movies. I now, in retrospect, know of good movies like First Cow, like Corey was talking about, some of those other ones. Uh, it was a, a better first start than I was realizing. In general, I think 2020 is very top-heavy. I think there are, like, I, like Dane, I think my top five, I love every movie in my top five. I think they're all fantastic. I don't think they might be my all time. I think Shit House and Sound of Metal are probably the only two that are going to sneak into my all time. For uh, the mediocre film guys and making sure that Corey doesn't have an aneurysm on our podcast, uh, I am Sam. Uh, this is the It's All Film and Games podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, to our favorite movies of 2020. We are hoping for an equally great, if not better, year for 2021. And we will have plenty more episodes. It's been an absolute joy uh, to start and continue this podcast. So thanks for listening, guys. 
Groovy.